This is Confessions of a Closet Romantic, a podcast where I celebrate my love of romantic books, movies, TV shows, and talk about why I love them so much without embarrassment or shame, mostly. This is Poppy, and in this episode, Grand Gestures and the Little Things. is one heck of a meaningful gesture, actually a series of gestures, in the movie The Age of Innocence. Have you all seen this? If you like period drama, don't miss this film. It's beautifully directed by Martin Scorsese, based on the novel by Edith Warden. Newland Archer starts to fall for his fiancée's cousin, Countess Olenska, in the story, who has just returned from Europe to New York. He buys up every last hothouse flower, specifically yellow roses, in his neighborhood one week to send to her, because he's falling in love and he can't stop contacting her. What do you do with torrid emotions towards a gorgeous woman who isn't your fiancée in the late Victorian era? You say it with hundreds of flowers, of course, in a specific color. I'm sure this will be a multi-part episode because I love this trope, this theme, so much I turn into pudding when I see it. Grand or small gestures in romance are little emotional gifts. They touch my heart because they say, I see you. I understand what makes you, you. And I'm going to put in significant effort to honor that to cherish you, and most importantly, to show you. It's not about fancy things. It's about the intimacy of these gestures, what they communicate. It's so sexy. I can't lie. The grand gestures of wealthy, powerful alpha men like Christian Grey from Fifty Shades Stories are pretty dang amazing, though. My episode on the Fifty Shades movies is coming up soon, so get your fans ready. Is it hot in here? One of my favorite grand gestures comes from the movie Fifty Shades Darker, when Anastasia Steele is under physical threat. Christian Grey whisks her away in the middle of the night to his gorgeous little sailboat, and they set sail on the Pacific to get far away from any baddies. There's plenty of private space for hanky-panky and the most gorgeous mountain backdrop you'll ever see. Now that's how to keep your love safe. If you've listened to this podcast before, you know that's one of my absolute favorite tropes. Darling, you're safe with me. Oh, sizzling hot Christian Grey. He's bossy and controlling at times, but he can conjure the most incredible romantic gestures. And I think sometimes the smaller they are, the more intimate and meaningful they are. Like after powerful CEO Christian Grey first meets Anna when she interviews him for the college newspaper, he's intrigued and he turns it around and asks her questions about herself and discovers that she's an English lit major and that Thomas Hardy was her first favorite author. And then this happens. Anna, I have a package for you. 
Why didn't you tell me there was danger? Why didn't you warn me? Ladies know what to guard against because they, they read, read novels that tell them of these tricks. That's a quote from Tess of the Derba House. Oh my god. These must be from Christian. Do you, I mean, these are incredible. Wow, Gray. Kate, these are first editions. I can't, this is too much. I can't accept these, I have to send them back. Oh, romantic gestures say, I see you. And who doesn't want to be really seen by someone they love? Oh, here's a gesture from the movie Becoming Jane that as a writer, I just adore. I mentioned it in my Grabby Kiss episode. It's the scene where Jane Austen's lover, Tom Lefroy, arranges a meeting for her with a successful novelist, just so Jane can be encouraged in her writing career. Okay, it wasn't totally selfless. Tom wants her to see that she can be married to him and have a successful career. Female novelists weren't necessarily supported in that era, so this gesture gets my top prize for swoon-worthy love. I see you, I understand what moves you, and I want you to be happy. Okay, I had to visit the Wayback Machine for this next one, but I clearly remember the power of these scenes from years ago and how attractive they made Andrew McCarthy seem. Not that he needed any help. Anyone else remember the romantic drama Lipstick Jungle? It was on TV about 10 years ago. You can still stream it. I'll put a link in the show notes. It's based on the novel by Sex and the City author Candace Bushnell. It's about three women in Manhattan juggling powerful careers, friendship, and their love lives. Andrew McCarthy plays Joe Bennett, a powerful and wealthy CEO who starts to fall for the slightly ditzy but charming fashion designer Victory Ford, played by Lindsay Price. Early in their relationship, she sees one of her first designs, a hat sample, being bought from a secondhand clothing stall on the street. She tries to explain to Joe why it's so devastating. Why would someone keep something that isn't theirs? Are you back to your hat? I couldn't have been any more honest. Back to the hat. <clears throat> okay, maybe you need to go back there and offer him her a thousand bucks. It's not about money, Joe. Not everyone can be bought. She can, five times a day. Have you never been up 10th Avenue? So what are you saying, that I design clothes that appeal to hookers? It's cold, isn't it? This hat, this hat stands for something, Joe. It was a part of the last project I did before I got my first job in the real world. I I don't think you do. I grew up in a dead beige suburb, just counting the minutes before I could move to New York and design clothes, and I wanted to live in a place where I could dare to be lucky and live out loud. Forget the thousand bucks. Go back to your friend with the hat and tell her exactly what you just said to me. You think that would work? I do, but I changed the last couple lines. They were a lot fresher when Susan Hayward said them in 1959. You know that movie. Oh, <laughs> Can I kiss you? The whole time, all he seems to want to do is get her to be quiet so he can kiss her. But then there's this. Hi. Hello. Have you eaten? Not yet. I'm caught up with work. What's that? Lunch. And 
something that might make you smile. Oh, Joe. Oh, Joe? I just made an 80-year-old woman with a bald spot very rich and cold. And I get, oh, Joe? You didn't have to do this. I thought you needed this to get back to work. I thought so, too. Why'd I have to meet you now? Two years ago, I was successful. I was on top of my game. I had 15 employees and 11 stores, and now I look like this needy person who always needs to be saved. What makes you think I'm saving you? Here. Lobster bisque and crab salad. You can come to Miami. I brought Miami here. Get back to work. Okay, another phenomenal gesture from that show. Victory's clothing design business is struggling, so she flies to Japan to try to set up a deal. The scene opens with her on the phone from her hotel room in Japan with Joe in New York. She's sad and tired and disappointed that the meeting hasn't gone well. She cries, I just want to be home. Next thing you know, or so it seems, there's a knock on her door. A hotel employee is standing there with her favorite treat, a cupcake, on a silver tray. He tells her that Mr. Bennett's private jet is waiting for her whenever she's ready. Oh, the smile that creeps across her face. (laughs) It would be on mine, too. And here's another one. Joe says to Victory, What about dinner tonight? I know this great little bistro. And where is that bistro, Bibelot Romance? That's right, in Paris. Not Paris, Tennessee. Paris, France. Not satisfied with that grand gesture, Joe Bennett also rents out Coco Chanel's Atelier so Victory can get her mojo back and be inspired by the workspace of this fashion legend. Evidently, she used this place as a getaway so she could stay in town and work in peace. You like it? I'm, I'm overwhelmed. The caretaker said all the furniture was original. So you're telling me? That Coco Chanel sat at this this desk and sketched and, and looked out this window and Joe, how did you know to take me here? We're in Paris. You're a designer. Some dead designers won't rent out their ateliers. It was a problem. Oh wow. Do you know what this is? Coco's dummy. It's not a dummy. It's a dress form. She wasn't a ventriloquist. What are you doing? Just touching the water block. <laughs> Thank you. Gotta hand it to the writers. This is one hot trope come to life. I think it reminds us of what people do when they love each other. Not necessarily with swanky dinners or private jets but meaningful gestures of any size. Love is action.
there is one small gesture in Discovery of Witches that sums up that love so perfectly to me. I recorded this phone confessional a while back after I read about it in the Discovery of Witches book one. The witch Diana is in danger, so vampire Matthew whisks her away to his ancestral castle in France, where she will be safe. Oh, lovely trope! but not before he notices what she keeps stocked in her cupboards and her rooms at Oxford, making sure that she has all those comfort foods and drinks waiting for her in France. As a vampire, he doesn't really eat or drink, so this is all about her. Oh, man of my heart. You guys have seen this episode of A Discovery of Witches, but it's the part where she goes to the castle and he's had provisions sent ahead. And at one point in her rooms, he uh, had said, can I make you some tea? Oh, that is my love language. You are speaking my love language. And she's like, yes, of course. And he's like, uh, which, you know, because she's got a whole cupboard full of tea. And she gets to the castle and she opens the cupboard to make some tea. And he has got her favorite tea waiting for her in the cupboard. Let me say, that is such a tiny thing, but for me, that is my love language. And the idea that that guy would have drilled down and noticed that thing that gives her pleasure and made sure, and comfort, and made sure that she had that is just astounding. the original grand romantic gesture is Mr. Darcy anonymously paying Wickham off to save the Bennett family reputation in Pride and Prejudice. He's already in love with Elizabeth and knows the situation would cause her a lot of embarrassment. He sees how important her family is to her, and this gesture is life-changing for his love and the people she loves. Mr. Darcy... I can go no longer without thanking you for your kindness to my poor sister. Ever since I have known of it, I have been most anxious to tell you how grateful I am for my family and for myself. You must not blame my aunt for telling me. Lydia betrayed it first, and then I couldn't rest till I knew everything. I know what trouble and what mortification it must have cost you. Please let me say this. Please allow me to thank you on behalf of all my family, since they don't know to whom they are indebted. If you will thank me, let it be for yourself alone. Your family owes me nothing. Much as I respect them, I believe I thought only of you. You are too generous to trifle with me. If your feelings are what they were last April, tell me so at once. My affections and wishes are unchanged. But one word from you will silence me on this subject forever. Oh, my feelings. My feelings are... I'm ashamed to remember what I said then. My feelings are so different. In fact, they are quite the opposite.
I'd love to hear about the smaller grand romantic gestures of your life. Record a voice memo on your phone, click share, and email to confessionsofaclosetromantic at gmail.com. Okay, it's time to rewind Christian Gray flying me, uh, Anna, in his glider one bright morning just to make her day sweeter. Yeah, it's the little things. If you enjoy this podcast, I hope you'll consider clicking share from your podcast app or telling a friend about it. Wishing all of us the gifts of loving kind gestures, large or small. Special shout out to my listeners in India. Hope you had a wonderful Diwali full of joy and sweet gestures. Find show notes with links to what I've been babbling about at confessionsofaclosetromantic.com. It was really nice to have your company. Until next time, wishing you shame-free romance, chock full of the gestures your heart desires.